grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, as we meet here, and this being my first sermon after ordination, I pray that our Father God gives us the spirit of wisdom and understanding and open the eyes of our, our understanding so that the word that will be shared will have its proper place in the soil of our hearts. In Jesus' name, Amen. This morning, we're going to talk about who am I? Who am I? Who am I? You were requested last week to think about this. So I believe that to most of us here, you've asked yourself, who am I? I'm asking you, who are you? And you may have some answers. You know, the question, who am I? It's a question on your identity. And interestingly, let me say that the purpose of this message is to help us think of who we are, be aware of our true identity as Christians, and live as Christians through the help of the Holy Spirit. Saint Augustine, a Christian philosopher, once said, How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? And he added, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself that I may know thee. And a Greek philosopher and mathematician, his name was Pythagoras. You know the Pythagoras theorem. He also said, Man, know thyself. Then you will know the universe and God. Man, know thyself. Then you will know the universe and God. These are philosophers, one Christian, one non-Christian. What is so special about knowing who I am, who you are? Indeed, the psalmist King David, when he was thinking of who he was and he was meditating, he came up with a song. And we can see that in our first Bible reading, which is Psalm 8. And I take it in the New King James Version, Psalm 8. 
the glory of the Lord in creation. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Who has set your glory above the heavens? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. Because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Now listen. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Other versions say lower than God. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen. Even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. When David says, what is man that you should be mindful of him? He meant, who is man that you should be mindful of him? Who am I? Ask yourself, who am I? Say it, let me hear one more time. One more time. Who am I? The second reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 16 to 17 with emphasis on verse 17. I read. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away. All things have become new. Who am I? once again refers to your identity. Right now, if you go somewhere and say, what's your identification? Most likely you pull out your passport or a driver's license or Ghana card or something similar. And you say, this is who I am. Is that who you are? Identity is who you are the way you think about yourself, the way you are viewed by the world and the characteristics that define you. An example is a person's name. 
or may I say we can even have traditional characteristics of a Ghanaian. So when you see somebody behaving in a setting, you say, ah, this person is a Ghanaian. In psychology, identity is the qualities, beliefs, personality, looks and expressions that make the person, that is what we call self-identity or group. That would be social group, social identity. In effect, psychological identity relates to the self-image, one's mental model of oneself, your self-esteem or individuality. Who am I? I'll try to use some scriptural personalities to give an idea who I am, who you are. There are several, but I'm restricting myself to three. Who am I? Generally speaking, there are so many ways you can look at who I am, or for that matter, who you are. But I'm going to take three of these different perspectives. How others see you, how you see yourself, and how God sees you. Who am I? The first person I would like to take will be Moses. How did others see Moses? Moses was seen as a great general in the army of the Egyptians. Some people saw him as a murderer because he killed an Egyptian. When he was exiled, some people saw him as a shepherd because he was taking care of sheep. And when God sent him to go and deliver his people, he was seen as a rebel by Pharaoh. When he started doing his works, he sometimes defined as the lawmaker or the lawgiver because he is the one God used to bring the Ten Commandments. These are ways people were seeing Moses. But how did Moses see himself? Moses saw himself as somebody who liked justice. He does not want people to be abused and so when he saw somebody maltreating some another person whom he has seen as a slave he got offended and killed the person when Moses was before God on the mountains Moses saw himself as a stammerer somebody who cannot talk somebody who cannot even go before Pharaoh so who am I to go before Pharaoh 
And how did God see Moses? God, when he saw Moses, he saw him as the most humble person on earth. And this is in the book of Numbers. And God saw also that he is the person through whom he will do his mighty works and deliver his people from Israel, keeping his promise. So God saw Moses as the deliverer, something Moses never thought he was capable of. Three views. People's view, Moses' view, and God's view. Who am I? What are people saying about you? About me? The second person I would like us to consider in this is John the Baptist. Who was John the Baptist? How did people see him? The Bible says people saw John the Baptist as a wild man. His hair was unkept. He wore camel hair. His food was locust, grasshopper, and onion. Hmm. They saw him as a prophet. In fact, they saw him as a no-nonsense man, a man of God. Fiery. That's how they saw John the Baptist. So one time, the scribes, the priests, but the priests sent some labor and some people to go to John to find out who John is from John himself. So, In John chapter 1, 22 to 23, when the people the priest sent went to John, I quote, they said to him, to John, who are you? That you may give an answer to those who, that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And you know what John the Baptist said? I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. They asked him, Are you Elijah? He said, No. Are you the Messiah? He said, No, 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 no. As for him, I'm not even worthy to touch his shoes. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He was quoting scripture, Isaiah. What does God say? What did God say about John the Baptist? Before we respond to God, just I want you to know that the people knew John and yet they were asking him, Who are you? Take note of that. Now, from Luke chapter 1, 67 to 79, God's spirit overshadowed Zachariah, the father of John. And he spoke, saying, And you, child, that is John, shall be called the prophet of the Most High. 
For you go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. So for, as far as God is concerned, he's consistent with what John said by his reference to scripture. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. The third person I would like to refer to is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What others saw or said about Jesus? First, some shepherds came saying they were looking for him that is born king. Also the Magi, they came. They said, we saw his star. He that is born king. So some people saw him as king. The Pharisees, they saw him as a friend of sinners. A friend of wine babas and glutons who drink wine and eat over eat. The priest saw him as a troublemaker, a blasphemer, somebody who does not conform to their religious rights of those days. And the general public saw Jesus as a miracle worker, a man of God, a healer, someone who is loving, who is compassionate. And when one time Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say I am? Some said, they say you are Elijah. Some said, you, they say you are John the Baptist, come in another form. And he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. So he was endorsing that. Can you see that others' point of view were so different? Some seeing him as a blasphemer. Some see him as a healer, a miracle worker, a friend of sinners. If you consider all this, you can be confused. In fact, if you look at how people are defining you, it's so varied that you can be confused. But what did... Jesus say of himself. The first time Jesus entered the synagogue and he was going to start his ministry, he quoted from the book of Isaiah. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. He went on to say, He's going to heal the sick. He's going to comfort the brokenhearted. He's going to bring deliverance for those in captive. He's going to declare the appointed time of the Lord. Jesus was also quoting from scripture. Just like John the Baptist. Have you noted that? Then at one time, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Then Jesus said, 
I, my father, are one. What I see him do, that I do. That's how Jesus saw himself. How did God see Jesus? Before Jesus was born. The angel of the Lord visited Mary. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. And he said, And she will bring forth a son. And you shall name him Jesus. For he shall save his people. So God saw Jesus as someone who is going to save his people. And when he had just been baptized in Matthew chapter 3, 17, a spirit came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So we can see from these three examples and the three particular views, others' view, my own view, and God's view, that they are diverse. But those who quote scripture like John and Jesus happen to have their views coincide with that of God. I remember First Samuel chapter 16, 7 to 10. And someone was directed by God to go and select a king, the next king for Israel. Verse 7 there says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance, at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, man is limited in knowledge and sees only external things. So if you are going to depend on what man thinks of you, you can be very confused. And these days, how you think of yourself is influenced by the media. You listen to everything. And then you identify with it. But God is so many sins. He knows all things. He created us. And what he says and this he says to be is who we truly are. Yes. Engineer Eric Amevo, please come here. Can we give him a mic? Ah, I didn't see you on time. <laughs> Eric. Yes, sir. Who are you? I'm Eric Amevo. You are who? Eric Amevo. I'm Eric. What are you holding in your hand? It's a mic. And what is this? It's my arm. Your what? Um, Celestine sitting there, what is she to you? It's my wife. Your wife? Yes. What is this? My head. 
So who are you? I'm Eric. Okay, hold on. The point I'm trying to bring across, he's saying this is my arm. It means the arm belongs to him. Celestine is the wife. Celestine, you belong to him. You are his. His head. It means you own the head. So who are you who own the head? Eric. Let's give him a clap. We'll continue. Eric, thank you. A few days ago, I had a call that somebody was dead. So I had to go to the family to support them. And when I went, I asked of the person who was dead and said, oh, the body is there. I said, ah. I mentioned the person's name, but they said, the body is there. Have you noticed that when somebody dies, the body is just all of a sudden called the body, his body, his corpse. They don't call him by Ato or Kofi or this. They say, the body, his body. It means that the body was owned by him. So where is he? Who are you? If the body is, is yours, then who are you? Think of it. Who am I? To answer this, I prefer to agree with John the Baptist and Jesus and go into scripture and look at it from the point of view of God. Let's go to Genesis. In the beginning, indeed, before we touch on the Genesis story, I want us to note that how you see yourself is very important. For how you see yourself determines who you are, what you do. If you remember in the book of Numbers, when Joshua and Caleb and ten others were sent to spy the lands of Canaan, they came back and ten of them said, We saw the giants, the sons of Anak. They were, we were like grasshoppers before them, and so were we in their eyes. Do you remember that story? What you think of yourself as is what you become. So the question, who am I, is significant and is important. Alex, so important that everybody should be able to answer that for himself. Matthew. Did you hear that? Good. Let's go to the beginning. Genesis 1, 26 thereon. God said, Let us create man in our own image and likeness and give him dominion over what we have created. That's God's view of us. 
He created us in his own image and likeness and gave us dominion. This is what the psalmist, David was reflecting. So when I consider all the big great things you have done, what is man that you should be mindful of him and even visit him? What is your size, small man? You've seen a whale. It's huge. Elephant is huge. Planet Earth, we are all here. And this is one of the smallest planets. So what is man that you should be mindful of him and give him so much authority that he should be significant to you? These are the questions he was asking. So that's how God created us. Of course, we know that the serpent, Satan operated through the serpent and he deceived man by making man doubt God. God said, you can eat everything that is here and all the fruits of the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not what? Touch. And Satan went and said, did God say that if you do this, you will surely die? So, Eve was tempted through Eve. Adam was tempted. They took of the fruits. And the instant they took from it, instead of running to God, they started running away from God because there was alienation from God because of their disobedience, which we call the sin, the fall of man. You remember that story? Satan came to deceive them with information, something that will make them more than what God has given you. And he keeps on doing the same thing. Listen, God created man in his own image and what? Likeness. And Satan wants to also create you in his own image and likeness. So he deceives you and when you accept his deception, you take on his nature. I remember Jesus saying that you are of your father the devil because he was a liar from the beginning. Because the people relating to him were behaving with demonic characteristics. Always remember that. The view you have of yourself now, if it is based on your fallen nature and you think you are a sinner, you do things I can't even mention here. These are thoughts Satan has put into your mind. And once you accept it, you agree with him as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I'm here to let you know that all these are deception. Let's accept what John the Baptist did, what Jesus did, and agree with God's word. And what is God's word? Truly, man is God's prized creation. And he loved us so much so that the scripture says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Beliefs. Abraham, sorry, Adam and Eve disbelieved and disobeyed. 
God gave the chance for Christ to come and a penalty had to be paid because somebody has breached the laws of God. Christ offered himself willingly that we should be made whole before God. So by the sacrifice of Jesus, which you all know, we are, we are forgiven. And as many as believe in him, to them he became, gave the power to become children of God. So I'm trying to let us know that scripture says, yes, in the beginning God created us in his image and likeness and we fell. But as at now, there's another reality. Christ came to save sinners. Christ came and those who believe in him and confess as such, they are new creation. If anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. This is the message I want to bring home today. Who are you? Who am I? I was made in God's image and likeness. First edition. Through Satan I fell. Now, because I believe, I'm second edition. Improved version. I'm made just like Christ. Scripture says, as he is, so are we. For anybody who believes in Christ, God sees him as Christ. I hope you are with me. So who are you? I want you to put your mind on this fact. That by the death of Christ, if only you believe and confess and accept him, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. Now note, for some time when I come here, I observe things. Where is Brother Hope? Yes, I've seen him coming when I mention his name. When I come and sit here, Brother Hope enters the auditorium. He goes and sits behind the console. Then he starts fidgeting with the equipment. He sits there comfortably, very confident. Where is Eddie? Can't see him today. When he comes, he just moves straight to the choir starts interacting with them and they start singing. They start here, stand here singing. We all look at them. We don't question them. Where is Sister Osla? She comes, I see her done on the usher's thing and she sits there and acts as an usher. Why are they doing this? Because Brother Hope knows that he is the person responsible for the console. He goes there and he does it. Eddie does the same. Osla does the same. You do the same. And all those people who are with them in the different groups, they go there because they know who they are and what they do. Is it not so? Some of us also come and we sit because we know that we are the masses in quotes. I hope you're understanding me. So who you believe you are, you act that. Now that we know that we are children of God because we have accepted the works that Christ came to do for us. 
we are expected to behave as children of God. As a matter of fact, if you take the book of Ephesians and you read verses, chapters 1 to 3, you can see so much is being said about the new creation in Christ. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We've been adopted by God. We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed. And so much more. And in chapter 4, he continues to say, so walk as children of the light because you know who you are in Christ. Am I communicating? I'm here to let you know that even when you have now accepted, and that's what I'm selling to you, that know that who am I? I am one created in the image and likeness of God. One who have accepted the love of God by believing in what Jesus Christ came to do for me, accepting Christ as my personal savior, and therefore I'm a new creation. You can lay no charge against me. For who the Lord has blessed, no one can curse. And nothing, nothing, nothing can take me away, separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. That you must walk that way. Fortunately, Jesus Christ, when he was going, said he's going to give us a helper, the Holy Spirit, who will help us and teach us all things. And as many as have gone to the cross of Christ, at the feet of Jesus, seeing that truly they were putting out a false identity as given by Satan and the world, and accepted the identity as God has given in Christ, surely the Bible says they have the Holy Spirit in them. And the Holy Spirit is our helper and is going to teach us all things. But even from the beginning, God made man. He gave us free will. That's why we can choose to disobey him. We are free moral agents. So the Holy Spirit in us will not force us to do the will of God. We have to continually request him to guide us, to lead us so that we would walk the will of God. If you have the Holy Spirit in you as a true Christian and you do not request the Holy Spirit to guide you, you are still a helpless Christian. So, let's go to God. Let's talk to him as our father. Let's interact with him. Let's ask the spirit to guide us and give him the right of way. When we do that, we'll grow in our newfound identity and walk as children of the light. Um, so, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 
that as Christians we are made of spirits, soul, and body. In the very beginning, when God created man from dust, God breathed into man and man became a living being. So there was the dust, the body. It was body. But once God's spirit entered the body, a third thing was treated, the soul. And the three were connected. He became a living soul. The breath of God, the spirit of God is the real you that relates to God. It is that which lives forever. So when your body dies, you are dead. Otherwise, why do we desire eternity when the body is dead? You must commune with your father. That spirit of God from God desires the source. And you'll never find rest until you find your rest in God through Christ. I remember something Jesus said. Luke 15, 17, there around. Yes, Luke 15. He was talking about the prodigal son. All of you know the story of the prodigal son. Most of you. He said, after the son had misused the inheritance he claimed for his father, and he was now eating pig food and struggling with pig for food, Seventy said, he came to himself. The man came to himself. He realized. He did the channel. And he said, ah, what am I doing? In my father's house are servants who eat well and dress well. I will go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against you. I'm trying to let you know that as you have come to yourself that the perception of yourself as the world pro projects is not you. What do you do? You go back to the father. And when he went, the father was waiting for him as straight hands to welcome him. That's how God does for us. Picture that and keep it in your mind. Let me conclude this sermon with a story and this story that I'm going to tell you by the grace of God you will not forget it's going to be in your head it's going to stir you up and what you heard today in the name of Jesus hmm there was a beggar and this beggar place of begging was near the palace where the king lives. One day, the king puts a proclamation and a notice, an announcement that he was going to have a big banquet. And everybody who can put on royal robes is invited. This beggar, when everybody has gone, 
he also went to read. He felt he was smelly and he was in rocks. When he read this, I said, Ah, oh my God. I desire that me too will go to this banquet. So, he went to one of the soldiers who was guarding the place and said, Soldier, hmm, I want to say something. Don't be angry with me. You. So, go ahead, say it. I want to see the king. He said, What? How can you see the king? The place I'm a subject to. So the soldier sent message. After a time, the beggar was called to the presence of the king. The beggar went to the king, trembling. He didn't know what they would do to him. He said, My lord the king, your majesty, I beg you, if I may be bold to ask you something, please, pardon me. So, what do you want to ask? The Lord. The banquet, the party you want to, let me use the word throw. I also want to come. But I don't have royal robes. So, if I may ask you, please, don't hurt me, oh, please. Your old one, your old royal robe, if you can give me one, me too, I can come. The king smiled and said, Oh, you've done a good thing. All his fears now went away. Then the king called the prince. Prince, he came. Take this beggar to your chamber and give him one of your robes that he may attend the banquet. And the prince did that. Pretty soon, the beggar was standing in front of a mirror in the prince's room. He couldn't recognize himself. Say, hey, is it me? He was in royal robes. But the prince told him something. He said, this robe is yours forever. Keep it. Nobody will take it away from you. And as they were going, the beggar looked behind and saw his rags lying there. I said, hmm, what if <laughs> after the party, they threw me away? <laughs> what can I do? So, he went, put his rags together like a, a ball or something, and then he put it under his armpits, and he went for the party. Yes, the party was great. It was beyond his expectations. But the beggar could not enjoy the party as he ought to. Why? Because the service was so fast. And as he was struggling to keep his racks, the food we passing. This was what was happening. And the party ended. Nobody asked the beggar about the ropes. He was wearing the ropes. But he was so conscious of his old rags that pretty soon people forgot even to see the royal robe on him. And so the man with the rags, the man with the rags, the man with the rags, he was living in his old, old self. It happened that one day the beggar, first second, I was dying. 
word went to the king. This is a very good king. So he went to see the beggar. When he went to see the beggar, he saw the beggar was holding his rags. And he felt sad. Then the beggar remembered that the prince told him that this royal robe is yours for good, yours forever. But because he had held on to his old rags, he could not enjoy what he ought to enjoy. Are you understanding me? This parable or story is how we are in. We have been saved, redeemed, and clothed in Christ's righteousness, the princely robe. But we keep on holding on to our old identity and not accepting how God sees us. Unless you see yourself now as one who has been born, recreated because of faith in Christ. It is through no work of yours. It is by faith, not by works of righteousness, lest any man should boast. Remember this story. I remember that God has opened his arms for those who want to live as princes. Because we are royal priests. And I'll come to him. He's with us. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. For those who have not, the opportunity is there for them to do so. Pretty soon, we may be doing the Lord's Supper. The only qualification to partake of that is that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your Lord and Savior. The communion is the form of banquet I was talking about. When the time comes, examine yourself to know whether you truly are holding on to rags. If you are in Christ, good. If not, you can come and the king will give you room. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we give you thanks that you have opened the eyes of our understanding to make us understand the word. Amen. Now, we are not who we think we are. Amen. We are not what people say we are. Mm. But we are who you have made us to be. Jesus. Give us the grace to realize this and to come to you. Amen. For we know that as we recognize that we are sinners and come to you, you loving us and making us knowing that we are your precious children will always accept us. Amen. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. And give Jesus. us the grace to open up and give the Holy Spirit the right of way. Amen. That your help will be with us. Amen. Always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.